Hello, Scotty. Hello, Mr. Fox. How are you this week? You know, I've never been better. Never? Ever? Well, no, it's possible I've been better, but um, I'm happy to report something. Can I Can I tell you something? It's a little bit personal, but I'm happy to report it. Hold on, wait a minute. John's report. So I've been in Chapel Hill, North Carolina for the last two weeks, I guess, or yeah, something like that. And I've been, you know, cleaning and clearing through old boxes and stuff like that. But among the things I came across was my mother's original, whatever, immigration and naturalization application form. And it was it was before I was born. But it, it it reminded me something that I had a fun time discussing with, with my child is that at that time, and, and maybe even who knows, maybe still today, but you have to basically answer these questions and you have to like check off the fact that you are not a communist nor a communist sympathizer, nor are you, you know, a, 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 you know addicted to narcotic drugs, which I assume they meant heroin, um, and that you are basically a person of, of great moral upstandingness or something. And one of the things I remember when I moved to, to North Carolina from New York was this whole phenomenon of Yamama jokes. I'd never heard of them before, it's, it's, but it's common. Um, and so it would always be like, Yamama this, Yamama that. And I wish I had known this fact way back when I would have been able to defend myself when, when all my friends would say, Yamama's a, a, a heroin addict communist hoe. <laughs> now I can say definitively that she's not. So I, I feel so healed. That's what, <laughs> I'm so glad we we do this podcast to allow you to get these things off of your chest and into the wider world. I, I, and I hope that our fractional listeners is is wholly interested in in this part in knowing this. But something else came up, which I thought actually, you know, and it is more related to work, which also made me happy, is that uh, a colleague of mine sent me this link on a Medium article, which was called an, "It Was an Anatomy of of Our Player." Um, you know, rewind and fast forward buttons and the play pause button. And they were, they implemented it in Swift UI. And it was very, it was, it was kind of fascinating because the, the, the fast forward and rewind button is something that I, I had to code by hand. It's a beautiful design. And I remember spending so much time on it and we actually got a patent for it. Um, and uh, and the play and the play pause button on the other hand that was able to be done in Lottie. There was still a fair amount of work to 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 kind of handle edge cases to make sure that you know you could sit there. Just remind people what Lottie is. Uh, Lottie is the 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 tool that basically lets you export uh, vector data from from uh, tools like Final uh, like not Final Cut. Uh, uh, shoot, what's the name of the Adobe tool? After Effects, there we go. Uh, so you can design motion graphics and you can export a JSON file which describes the the vector data and then you can load that in. So instead of having to code complex, you know, Bezier curves in code, uh, it does it for you. And so you can step through the animation and you can modify it, changing the color and the opacity. And basically you have access to the entire vector object tree. Um, and so, you know, whereas the, the fast forward and rewind button, I had graphic elements to, to be able to do things like to, to rotate and perform transforms on one image. Um, and then, you know, to be able to take text and then get its layer and then, you know, you know, do some fairly complicated choreography to have it, 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 you know, jet out to the right or the left and then to be able to also do the accumulation. So if you tap multiple times, it would, do, you know, do plus 10, plus 20, plus 30, plus 40, so on and so forth. So that one was too complicated to do by with Lottie, but the, the one that, that was the simple kind of morph between a triangle and two rectangles, the play and pause symbols, that is Lottie and, and it 
it was you know very very easy to get the animation up on screen what was a little bit trickier was to be able to do the um you know handle the 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 cases where you you tap incessantly and you have to kind of interrupt you know and and make sure that you maintain the appropriate state um and so anyway but it was it was it was kind of interesting to me that somebody took the trouble of writing all the things they 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 said really nice things about the UI and UX which you know made me happy but it was kind of interesting because i will link to the show notes but the the guy had really gone to gone to town with like a, a visual description about all the different choreography and it looked like a music score and what i found kind of interesting is that you know being a drummer and having studied the work of so many drummers and, 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 you know, where you were like, Oh my God, look, somebody transcribed the solo that Bill Bruford play on neurotica and, and, you know, King Crimson's album, you know, beat or, or whatever kind of, you know, and, and it, and you look at these incredibly complicated things and think that somebody took the time to do that. And it's kind of somewhat similar. Somebody took the time and trouble to, to, to break down this stuff. It was kind of, I thought it was fun. And so I, you know, I was made me proud of the, the, the work that I did on it, but it was, you know, all real credit in my mind goes to the, to the Michaela, the, the, the motion designer originally worked on it. It all comes back to the design. Yeah, totally true. And how was your day so far, Scotty? How has your week been? My day has been, um, yeah, the day's not been great. The week has been okay. We released, uh, we'd made another, we shipped another version this week. Uh, we wow. shipped version 3.1.1. Um, which is where the we, bug fix bug fix release. Uh, it had two pur- <laughs> it had two purposes. The first purpose was to make sure we shipped a universal binary. Um, hmm. We didn't want to ship three point one as a universal because of some other changes in it. We wanted to just go through one phase at a time. We wanted to give that a few days out there first. So um, three point one point one was basically to ship it as a universal, which all went fairly smoothly. Um, really, not too much work at all. We had to. Um, do a few things we use uh, a couple of frameworks that we we were using like things like sparkle where we had the binary uh framework into the in the um uh, in the project and so we moved to building from source in order to get it to build properly for for uh, universal and uh yeah there was another one that was similar where we um actually removed the framework and yeah just moved to some c code so that was other than that it was all uh pretty simple and we did a couple of uh bug fixes we we supported dark mode in version 3.1 and a few people came back and said this color is not right um it was too dark uh on one area and we had a few reports of the same thing so we changed that and fixed a few other bugs so that went reasonably well um and people are, are enjoying the fact the uh, the app is being updated after it had spent so many years not being. So, um, yeah, that's pretty good. I do get this weird, weird thing. Like, we've got a Facebook page for the app, and um, we have a Twitter account for the app. And so we, whenever we do a release, we just put um, st- stuff out there. Now, I think some people must have too much time on their hands, because, like, on the Facebook page, I put Moneywell version 3.1.1 has been released, and, you know, said, yeah, for all you lucky people with shiny new M1 Max, this will now run native as opposed to under Rosetta. Um, we fixed this, we fixed this. And, you know, there are a few comments, or thanks, that's great and cool. And then, you know, just one, one person says, yeah, YNAB's better. And it's like, <laughs> okay, you have an opinion, a, a competing product is better than ours. That is, that is no problem. I equally have no problem with you expressing that opinion because, you know, that, that is fine. But, um, why would you follow the Facebook page of a product that you thought another product was better? I mean, that just gives too much time on the hands. Some people, I just don't understand this sort of a 
this sort of uh, thing. I mean, it's, yeah, very weird. I would suspect the Internet Service Agency or whatever that place in St. Petersburg, which you know, now that they're done hacking elections or influencing people's opinions on things, they've now turned their attentions towards you. That could be true. That could be true. Uh, today, 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 this morning wasn't great because I had to take my 2018 MacBook Pro into uh, the service center because I've finally um, hit the keyboard problems that that model hits, and so it's gone in for a new keyboard. Um, yeah, that was that was interesting because this this MacBook has been used for it's two years old, but the majority of its life it's been used with an external keyboard and monitor. So I'd say over the two years, it's probably been used like with the laptop keyboard, the equivalent if it was like three months old, you know, if if you only used it as a laptop for about three months, and yet the keys have already gone. So it really is, um, uh, yeah. I took it into a a non-Apple service center um, because all the Apple stores are closed, but the official service centers are open. Hmm. And I, and I, the guy said, oh, so you're bringing a laptop in. I said, yeah, 2018 keyboard. And he just like rolled his eyes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I said you've seen a few of these and he, and he just says mm. and um you know it was uh, uh i said yeah the keyboards on these aren't very good are they and he did the whole sort of um <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> uh, type of thing so yeah it's uh uh i dread, i dread to think what well, this has cost apple and i know that i'm way behind the curve like everything because lots of people had it a long time ago so the question is now i'm having is like yeah, this is a two-year-old laptop. It's got a year of Apple Care left. I think the keyboard um, replacement program they said you could do for four years, so it's halfway through that. So is you know, do I? You know, it will have a nice shiny new keyboard that will work. Do I now just get rid of it? Just say right, sell it on. It's a brand new keyboard in it. Um, still got two years left for, for anybody who buys it to know that they can get another keyboard if it, if it goes wrong and just move it on and get get one with a new keyboard. Or whether to say, oh, it's got a brand new keyboard in it. Just keep it and use it now. So hard to know. Hard to know. Well, you can you can do, I think it's better to hold on to it. And, you know, part of the other thing is I've been back and forth to the dump, <laughs> the Orange County, North Carolina dump, where I've done my best to responsibly dispose of things in, 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 in the best ways possible. And some things are very easy, like tons of corrugated cardboard and things like that. Oh, I don't mean dump and, this and, thing. I'm, 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 it's a, it's a, it's a multi-thousand dollar. I mean, sell it. No, I know. I, I mean, know, sell but, it. I'm but, not taking it down the dump. Wow, you people, <laughs> you, you Silicon Valley types with your, you know, no, yeah. but, oh, this laptop's then, a month old. Take it to the dump. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, it's got a fingerprint on the screen. Take it to the dump. <laughs> look, when, when my Mercedes Benz's ashtray gets full, I just get a new one. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, no, no. But I actually did, you know, they had dedicated, if you let me finish there, Scotty, they had dedicated places where you can take things like old batteries and stuff like that. And I did, you know, go through and and clear out some old things like that. You know, my mom's original iPhone box. Um, If if the iPhone was still in there, I would probably hold on to it. The box itself is kind of, it was interesting to take a look at it. But but then there were like old things like, you know, she has some, some old Mac, had some old like, you know, literally kind of Mac Macintosh two era CRT screens, which, you know, I don't think there's any particular value for them, but you can't just like put them in landfill. They actually do get, uh, there's some things to be recovered from it. Um, and so I took it to do that. So I, I like, I'm on the first name basis with, with people who work at the orange County dumps like Fox, what up? What's up, man? So yeah, going to the dump here is really difficult because, uh, during lockdown, you now have to book an appointment to go. 
uh, in, order to, in order to maintain correct social distancing and not many, you know, not too many people to be there. And of course, everyone is off of work, so everyone chooses to do uh, some, you know, some remodeling of their house or some, you know, some stuff or have a clear out of the attic. So yeah, there are sometimes you would like an eight week wait to get into the oh, really? into the wow. local dump, you know. So hmm. which is why I won't be taking the laptop to the dump because I don't want to wait eight weeks to do it. Okay, but that that's the actual reason. It's not because you're against the thought of like trashing something. Yeah, John, I, I live in the same class as you. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even mm-hmm. wait for my Mercedes ashtray to get full. I think, you know, as soon as I see something in it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I drive once. That's what I say. Um, uh, so what else happened today? Yeah, I had I had a fun afternoon because um, we used um, uh, Swift Lint on, our, our, on the Moneywell project to um, uh, create warnings in the project when things are not right. Now, we don't. You know, we disable some of the rules. We don't really care about trailing white space and all that sort of stuff on lines because, um, yeah, we just don't, basically. Um, but there are certain, you know, most of the rules we implement. So we have warnings in the code. We try and keep the warnings um, as low as possible. We can't quite make warnings as errors. I'd love to, but we can't quite do that for various reasons. But because we don't run certain um, lint rules and because certain things happen, we, you know, I thought, well, it would be nice just to go through the code and tidy up certain things, even though we don't necessarily lint for them all the time. Um, so why don't I just also put Swift format as part of our toolchain? Now, I, I don't. We've had this discussion before. I don't put Swift format, which is basically a tool which will go through all your source code and format it to a set of rules that you you set up. It's part of the build process because it changes files, and I don't necessarily want the files changing as part of a build. It can cause problems with um, uh, Git repos, and often Xcode doesn't like the files changing underneath it as part of a build process and does funny things. So just do it as, you know, just install it as um, a toolchain, it's part of the toolchain, but you know, allow it to be run manually. So now and again, we can just run Swift format on the entire code base, have it clean it up, uh, put um, uh, do a build, check it's okay, put a PR into the repo and yeah, just do that occasionally now and again, just just to clean it all up. Um, uh, so that was the plan, anyway. But it, uh, one thing I've learned that it's probably best not to set your format rules to contradict your linting rules because it creates an awful lot of warnings. So, so, so for example, if your formatter puts your braces on one line and your um, uh, your linter creates an error if they're not on the same line, you, you end up with some strange code so that's been my afternoon now of wow. course because because it's just all on a configuration file i can just go back through and change it again but my first build after putting my formatter in thinking here we are i'm going to clean my code base up was something like seven thousand warnings or something this whole episode is all about like taking shit to the dump <laughs> it's it, it like is. linters versus formatters <laughs> you know so uh, so that's uh, that's that's been my uh, my afternoon Funny enough, we're talking about toolchains. We uh, we use a slightly different way of we we don't use that many tools um, as part of the thing, but we use a couple of things like sorcery, and as I said, we use um, uh, Swift Lint as part of the build process, and we use Swift Gen. We generate every time you check out uh, the source code, we generate the Xcode project, so the Xcode project is never uh, put into um, uh, the um, 
uh, the source the source control but you know whenever i like to run the latest beta os and particularly on changes you know a lot of these tools you people install using homebrew uh, but of course whenever you like you know you get to wwdc and you get big sur version whatever you know homebrew is never works um lots of things fail and everything else so at that point you take the risk of breaking your tool chain or not being able to use it um and it's not that these tools don't tend to work it's mainly that the tools don't um uh you know the the, the scripts for them that build the, the put them as part of homebrew the formula or whatever they're called recipes i can't remember what they're actually called in homebrew don't work so back um in the summer this year when big sur came out and this process went through again and i couldn't install you know couldn't install homebrew on the machine i just put big sur and everything on decided to change the way we did um our build tools so now we actually uh we have a script uh, that is checked into the repo and so we just um if you run that script and now checks out all of the tools individually and we build them from source and then we make sure they all go into fixed folders underneath the repo. And then all of our build scripts or, or our um, build settings in our toolchain know exactly where those are going to be. So we just explicitly point to those because it's very rare that an OS change um, stops something building directly from source. Um, and so, um, yeah, and then occasionally we run the script to get out a new one again. So um, that's that's how we do our toolchain for for the app which probably have, have, people have absolutely no interest in but if you like switching to the latest beta os and yet you use homebrew and your tools will break there you are that's my piece of advice yeah that is good to know i, I think i do you love homebrew I, I think homebrew is pretty nice uh, but it, it it's great until you run into into problems just like anything else it's great i mean most, as i said it, it's not that it doesn't work because often there is a there is um something in homebrew that basically detects a newer operation system than it's been written for and just gives you a warning doesn't it but i think a lot of this and it's particularly with um i mainly did this when i got the first dtk and i wanted to get the app to build on dtk and i couldn't build our tool chain but i couldn't it was not that i couldn't build the app i couldn't build our tool chain to have things like swift linting and swift gen um, in sorcery and xcode gen because homebrew wouldn't work and we had this single point of dependency now some things could you could install with mint but um not all everything had mint um install configurations so um that it works so in in the end but everything everything builds from source um when it's when it's open source so it wasn't i don't like homebrew and for running things like installing postgres or mysql or stuff like that uh, on my machine and other things i would keep using homebrew but I, I wanted to remove our project from homebrew being a dependency because our project doesn't depend on homebrew we just happen to use it as a way of installing our toolchain um beforehand but we do depend on so if, if swift lint breaks then our toolchain is broken and we have to decide what to do about it but if homebrew breaks that doesn't mean our our app shouldn't build so this is why i moved to this um back in the summer and yeah it works pretty well um and yeah to update because it basically checks the repo to see if we're up to date and just pulls a new version if there is one and, and rebuilds it so yeah it, it works quite well so it's not about disliking homebrew it's about removing that dependency from being able to build our app i use homebrew for other things all the time well scott <coughs> sorry <clears throat> scotty it sounds like you can you can solve many world problems with this 
we have somebody who joined the team and and so they were just getting onboarded this week and then somebody you know the person that that is kind of his mentor or you know uh says you know if anybody has any you know small juris for him to to assign to him feel free so i said yep <laughs> world peace and cancer <laughs> And climate crisis. Let's see if you can get those attacked by this weekend. He says, yep, no problem. I've created epics for them in Jura. And if somebody wants to add tickets, feel free. So between knowing that we have somebody working on these problems and that you've, you've figured out these tool chain and, and, and linter formatter problems, I think that we're in good shape. I think it is. And I, I think you know, what you just said there is a great way to uh, learn the code base or learn anything is to just be given a bug to fix. Oh, it's totally true. I mean, I, I, I guess it probably sounded being facetious, but it's not. I mean, it, and, and I think that's like one of those things where also kind of like, you know, the a localization or accessibility thing is, is good because it will take you anywhere in the app. And it, it, it's like one of those things like to pull on it and you to, to, to fix the problem and to fix the problem the right way, you have to end up learning a lot of different things and, and especially anything that's touching layout or, 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 or UX um, in general, like how things get announced or, or just understanding how something that seems like, oh, well, it's just a problem with, with a, you know, the text not wrapping properly or too large because of this expansive language is like, no, you to... to it really kind of introduces you to the concept of the the, the flowful mechanics of 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 any bit of of UI or you know uh, work. It's uh, it's tricky. Yeah, I remember when I first came to the Mac in two thousand and five, two thousand and six ish, um, and I was already a developer of Windows, working on Windows stuff. Um, you know, I just remember looked around a few blog posts and whatever else and. I, I remember I wrote ended up writing to uh, Marcus Zara, who we we both know, um, mm-hmm. you know, who I didn't know at all from Adam, and I said, look, I because he had an, an app that was a fairly big Mac app that was being um, you know sold at the time, business app, um, and I can't remember he'd written some blog post about something. I said, look, I'm I'm brand I'm an experienced developer, but I'm brand new to the Mac. Um, if you would, you know, is there any you know, hints you can give me? Or I said. Or I'm happy to just do some work because you'll fix my work and you'll tell me what's wrong with my work and that is, you know, a great way to learn. And so in the end, yeah, he just assigned me a few bugs on his own app, gave me access to his own source code. Um, I learned immediately how horrendous it was to debug anything with bindings um, Hmm. uh, in there. But I I learned loads um, and he was able to just, you know, give me loads of pointers. So, you know, he he was very generous in doing that. But it's, you know, if you want to learn something, get a large code base, Try and fix a small bug. Yep. We'll teach you there's no such thing as a small bug in a large code base in some ways. <laughs> no. There's just a large code base in a small bug. <laughs> exactly. Well, Scotty, I think we're, we're getting to the point where the clock is ticking and um, I need to bail and you need to bail. So if you want to, uh, if, if people want to, to assign bugs to you, where might they do that? Well, they can do that on Twitter. <laughs> Because it's the ideal <laughs> bug management system. I mean, forget Jira. You called it Jira just now. Who needs Jira? Just put all your yeah. just put all your bugs on Twitter, and they will magically get allocated, and the and the uh, the, the Twitter fairies will fix them all for you. So, mm. um, if you would like me or one of the Twitter fairies to uh, to get in touch with you, or to talk to you, or to know that, what you're thinking, I mean, maybe you want to tell me that Wineapp is better than Moneywell. Please feel free to do so. Um, you can do that on Twitter, where I am MacDevNet. And John, if people want to say thank you very much for squeezing in recording this episode between meetings, where should they do that? Well, they can congratulate. No, 
They can send kind words my way where all kind words are exchanged. Twitter, where you'll find me as Jembe. That's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. Well, John, we've 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 spoken about many things in twenty-four short minutes. I think I think we can be uh, declared as eco- economical and eco-friendly. We have not put too many excess words, apart from this little bit of blurb right now, excess words into the atmosphere, uh, polluting it for other people. So well done. Oh wait, 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 one last thing. Thanks to Sam for some clever editing last week. I thought that was very good. So Sam, if you're listening to this, bravo. Uh, what what did you particularly like? Well, the thing where it had where we had to stitch together, where it had like the on hold music, the yes. phone thing from last episode. That was very good. <laughs> yes, yes. It, it was actually that was the best part of the podcast. It was. It was. <laughs> Sam covering up our incompetence normally turns out to be the best part of the show. There we are. Sam, I'm sorry, it's gone really smooth today. Uh, we've our batteries are checked. We are, uh, we're not disappearing from meetings halfway through. So, um, Sam, you know, you should be sending us cash to thank us for giving you such an easy week. And uh, <laughs> thank you, everyone else, for listening. And hopefully, you've had an easy week. And uh, until next time, you take care. <laughs> Thank you.